What would pass through your mind as you chewed on and swallowed those last bites, knowing that this is the last food you would ever taste? What would be going through your mind? As Jesus celebrated uh, the Passover with his disciples, he shared a meal with them. These were his, his closest friends. These, these were the people that he had spent every day, day in, day out with for at least the last three years. He'd laugh with them. He'd cried with them. He experienced many things with them. And here he was sharing this last meal with them. Jesus would have, of course, celebrated many Passovers in, in his life, coming from uh, being the Jewish tradition. And he would have shared many meals with his friends and family over the years. But Jesus knew that this was going to be his last Passover. And not only his last Passover, it was going to be his last meal. I wonder what was going through Jesus' mind as he broke the bread with his friends and drank the wine. I wonder what he was thinking. No doubt he was looking at each of his disciples and, and thinking probably about how, how much he loved each one of them. How unique each of their personalities were, their quirks. He's probably thinking about Peter's obnoxious laugh. John the introvert, prone to blushing easily. Judas's nervous twitch. While that was my, my imagination describing some of the disciples to you, the scriptures do give us some insights into how Jesus was feeling and what he was thinking. For example, he knew that one of them was going to betray him. He already knew that it was Judas. He knew that all of them would scatter, would leave him in his greatest hour of need. He knew that, that these, his, his closest and dearest friends, whom he had poured into for years, he had poured himself into them, teaching them, molding them. He knew that they would abandon him. All these he had just eaten with and sang hymns with. All these he was saying, surely not I, Lord. It's not me, is it? I'm not the one who's going to betray you. I would never forsake you. He knew that they were about to forsake him. To leave him alone to suffer. He knew Peter, who was full of bravado and empty promises, would deny him three times, would, would pretend he didn't even know the man, would even rain down curses on himself to convince those around him who were questioning him that he didn't know Jesus, that he had nothing to do with him. Jesus knew as he was eating that last meal that when crunch came to crunch, he was going to be totally alone. Perhaps, perhaps you've felt that way. Perhaps there have been times in your life where you have felt 
completely alone. Perhaps there's been times where you, you thought you had friends or family you could rely on. Friends who said they'd be there for you through thick and thin, but when push came to shove, they were nowhere to be found. Perhaps they metaphorically stabbed you in the back like Judas did to Jesus. Betrayed your friendship for something temporal like money or another relationship. Jesus Jesus knows how you feel. He's gone through whatever you have gone through or might be going through right now. He's experienced all, all the emotions that you have. He's not some aloof, distant, above it all God. He became one of us and knows fully what it is to be human. And because of that, we, we should be able to take some comfort in the fact that Jesus can truly comfort us because he understands us. He became one of us. Charles Spurgeon said, A Jesus who never wept could never wipe away my tears. But he has wept. Jesus has wept many times and shed many tears and it's because of that that he can wipe away our tears. We learn more about just how human Jesus was and what he was thinking and feeling when we come to the the Garden of Gethsemane. Here was a moment where Jesus was essentially in a place of deep, deep anguish. We're told in one of the other Gospels that he, he actually sweated blood. And that has actually been a proven medical condition that can happen in, when you are deeply, deeply distressed. He was anxious. He was fearful. He was, frankly, he was terrified. And, you know, we, we don't like to think of Jesus like that, do we? We don't like to think of Jesus experiencing these human emotions but to think of him this way is to remember how completely human Jesus was completely human completely divine Jesus says we, we just read he says my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death That's a kind of sorrow that is so deep, so terrifying, that it's something that not many of us experience in our lives. But Jesus experienced this sorrow that overwhelmed his soul. He felt at that point overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And here's where we can learn a vital lesson. Jesus, in his hour of need, in the midst of his sorrow and feelings of being overwhelmed and fearful, what does Jesus do? He turns to God, the Father, in prayer. 
praise. When he's in that, that moment, that crisis, if you want to call it, he doesn't run from God like the disciples did. He doesn't get angry or bitter or resentful. He doesn't question if God is really good. But instead, he turns to God. He prays. He communicates. He communes with God. And when we are in need, when we are feeling overwhelmed and fearful, we need to do the same. Don't run from God. Don't turn your back on him. Don't decide, well, maybe you don't exist or are you really good? We know he's really good. Just sometimes we don't understand why we are going through what we are going through in life. But we should turn to him like Jesus did. And also notice the attitude that Jesus has coming before the Father. It's not one of entitlement, right? It's not an attitude that that says, Lord, you have to help me. I need you to bail me out. Where are you? Why are you not helping? How could you let this happen to me? No, instead it's, it's one of complete submission and surrender. Just like that song that we just heard right there. What does Jesus says? Your will be done. Your will be done. Jesus asks in humility if there is any possibility that he would not have to go through the agony and torment that awaits him. That the father would take it away. He's essentially saying, Father, please, would you, is there any way, can you take this away from me? Do I have to go through this? Do I have to go through the agony and the torment that awaits me? He's human. And like most of us human beings, he's afraid to suffer. None of us want to suffer. None of us want to experience pain. It is a fearful thing to know that something is going to hurt. Jesus refers to to what he has to do as as a cup. A cup that he must drink. And the second time he pleads for, for God the Father to take it away, he prays that if the only way to take the cup away is for him to drink it, then his will be done. Jesus is saying, if the only way to remove this cup is for me to drink it, then I'll do it. question is, of course, what, what's in the cup? It's been called the cup of suffering because in that cup was all the evil, the horror, the depravity, perversion, sickness, disease, and sin of the entire world, past, present, future. That's what was in that cup. And Jesus was deliberately and willingly saying, 
I will drink this deathly poison. I will drink it. This wasn't just a man knowing he he was facing imminent death. He was actually facing something far worse than just physical death. And the motivation behind it all? Love. That's what was guiding Jesus. This is, this is what was overriding his, his fear, his sorrow to the point of death. Love. His love for each and every one of you sitting here tonight. His love for every person in Bill Ricker. His love for everybody in this country, in the world. He said, I'll go to the cross for you. I'll drink what's in that cup. As I prayed that night, he he said at that last supper to his disciples, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he adds, see, you must love one another. He's making it so clear. You must, we must love each other the way Jesus has loved and continues to love us with that sacrificial love that would go to the cross for us. That's the kind of love that Jesus asks and demands of us towards one another. So when we, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, It's an act of love for Jesus and for one another. We do it in memory of what Jesus did and went through for us. And we call it a celebration. We we call it celebrating the Lord's Supper because he took the cup that we could not. If any of us had had attempted to drink of that cup, we would all be still dead in our sins. Hopeless. And lost. But thanks be to God. That is not the case. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus. We, we come to you humbly tonight. And just. Thank you that you. You took the cup. That cup that was full of. All the sin and evil of the world. Lord you. You willingly drank that cup for us, Lord, so that we would not have to go through the punishment that you took. Help us, Lord. Help us tonight as as we celebrate the Last Supper, Lord, after we have finished here, Lord. Help us as we do that downstairs to, to truly remember what it is you have done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name.